Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Uh, before we get into the message, I just want to share two things for a few minutes um, that I believe are really important. Uh, the first one is uh, Jane and I, not this last week, but the week before, we arrived back Monday evening. The week before, we were in Israel, in Jerusalem, for about five, six days. And there were two uh, things, reasons why we were there. Firstly, it was the Jerusalem prayer breakfast in Jerusalem. And there were 700 people at this event. Now, those 700 people are made up of primarily Christians that are church leaders, politicians, business leaders, and media, people who are in the media around the world. So there were 65 different nations represented. It was a two-day event, and the first day morning was in the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament building. And bearing in mind that... uh, Jesus is not exactly a hot topic uh, in Israel. Uh, 500 people were in that event for about two hours. Various speeches from members of the parliament there and some other kind of influential people in the nation and some key kind of politicians from around the world who are Christians. Uh, We sang Amazing Grace. Now, Who is Amazing Grace about? Amazing Grace is all about Jesus and what he's done for us. To have 500 Christians standing, singing Amazing Grace and worshipping Jesus in the Knesset, that's amazing um, when you understand the situation there. Some things that were stated, uh, not just then but in other times, that the government there in Israel would say that the Christian church around the world are the people giving the most support to Israel and the Jewish people. And they're really blown away at how many Christians and, and Christian leaders from around the world are wanting to build relationship with, with Israel, pray for Israel and, uh, and everything. So, it was a powerful event, and the prayer breakfast itself was powerful in terms of praying for nations, praying for Israel, for Jerusalem, and what God is doing there. And some of what the focus of that is, is about nations lining up with God, first of all, and his purposes, but also nations then lining up with Israel, not necessarily a political state, but God's it biblical Israel, which involves a land, a place, which is called Israel. So when we say lining up with Israel, it's not just lining up politically. It's not that. It's lining up with God, his plans and purposes, and, uh, and also in line with Jerusalem. Now, why is Jerusalem so important? Because Jesus is going to come back to Jerusalem, to the Mount of Olives. And uh, there's a huge battle over Jerusalem. Other faiths say that that is their city and all of that kind of stuff. But we know that Jerusalem belongs to God. His name is there and his name will always be there and it belongs to him. And so as a result of 
Jerusalem prayer breakfast happening in other nations as well, which is beginning to happen. Various nations around the world are, are looking to move their embassies from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Now, that might seem political at face value, but it's not actually a political thing. It's more of a biblical thing about governments and nations lining up with God, with Israel and with Jerusalem, saying that Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, it's the undivided capital of Israel, it's the, it's the, it's the place where God puts his name and says it belongs to him. And so as a nation or as a government, whatever places there are, and there are a number of governments that have already done this, others, many nations are considering doing this at the moment. And, uh, and it's amazing how God is in amongst all the turmoil that we see on the news, whether it's Brexit, whether it's stuff happening in our nation, whether it's stuff about the EU, whether it's challenging scenarios of fr friction and tension between nations, trade wars, this, that and the other, in amongst all of the stuff that we hear on the news, the amount of stories that, that we've heard while we were there of what God is doing in different nations around the world where he is positioning either Christians as presidents or prime ministers in nations, or he is raising up Osiris. Now, biblically, that means Osiris in the Bible means somebody that is not necessarily a believer, but it's somebody that God wants to use by putting them in a particular place of leadership authority to actually change things that are then going to line up with what God wants to do. And we see in the Bible there are a number of people that God worked in and worked through like that, that didn't necessarily acknowledge God, certainly at the beginning, but they might have done down the road, but he used them to change things in nations. Now, there are things that, that we're never, ever going to hear on, well, certainly for a long time, not going to hear on the news of what some nations are doing, because it's, it's, it goes against what the media want to portray. It goes against what... Um, People behind the scenes want to be want to get communicated, and all the wranglings and manoeuvrings that are going on. And so, the last three days we were there, we we were at a conference called Global Prayer Call, and it's it run by a guy called Harold Eckhart from Germany. And we worked with him at the beginning of May in Italy, San Remo, and we helped to lead a conference there to do with the EU and Israel, and to do with uh, Brexit, praying into that. And this one in Jerusalem was more of a global one around the continents and nations. And it just, I, can't, I haven't got time this morning to obviously to go into any details really about it. But through those three days, from 10 in the morning till 10 at night, for three days, it was constant prayer, worship, prayer, worship. And people from different continents and certain maybe bigger nations that are influential nations, but... In, in some of the, so each session, two hour session, was around a particular region of the world. And we basically went around the world in those three days. But people that shared are people that uh, are either intercessors who have access into governments, or they are people who are influential in their nation in terms of things going on. So there were stories that we heard about things that are going on in different nations. And some of that about presidents and prime ministers who God has placed in, in positions. And some amazing stories of what God is doing. 
So in amongst all the turmoil that we hear, and we could say, well, what is going on? So many nations seem to be divided and isolated, and it seems to be not around political, you know, party political politics. It's now about issues and divisions. It doesn't matter what party you support. It's, it's about an issue or whatever. And in amongst all of that, God is at work in the nations. And uh, one of the things God has spoken to us about is to be a house of prayer for all nations. Now, we pray, and we pray in certain ways, and at different times we've had more prayer going on than at other times to do with that kind of thing, being a house of prayer for all nations. But, one of, but God's really spoken to Jane and I while we were away and reminded us of some things that we need to uh, reposition in kingdom faith. And one of those is about being a house of prayer. So we're just praying into that and what that looks like. I appreciate there's quite a number of people in the church across the congregations who pray every week in different ways for nations, for this nation and, and other things. And uh, we know that we need to develop as a, as a people, becoming more of a house of prayer for all nations. And uh, a lot of the prayer that we was prayed, over, particularly the last weekend, was had a lot of insight, prophetic understanding. We heard some amazing stories of people that God has spoken to, given prophetic insight, dreams, visions. They've prayed about certain things in their nations and then something dramatic has changed in their nation. Literally from even in some nations that you would say are more Islamic, uh, even some nations considering who are, are, are changing their views towards Israel. And, and even moving their embassies to Jerusalem. Now, that's, that's phenomenal for an Islamic nation to be thinking that. But people are getting stuff from God, they're praying into things, and they're seeing amazing things happen at the highest level in their nations. Now, how many of you want our nation to be a nation that firstly lines up with God? Any, anybody else want to see that? And, uh, but then also, biblically, with Israel, and then lines up with, with Jerusalem. Um, now, in that's that's that I haven't got time, but we we both met with God, and, and I think just really got impacted uh, in different ways. I know last Sunday morning about this time, Jane was you're a bit of a mess on the floor, really, weren't you? Um, some African guys. We prayed for Africa last Sunday morning. It was so so powerful, and um, the presence of God in the room. And what one of the guys from Af- one of the he was from Uganda shared biblically. God's call upon Africa in relation to Israel. It was amazing. I'm like, man, I've never seen, but it's all in the word. And, and Israel's relationship with Africa. And it wasn't just, oh, here's a prophetic thought. It was all from the word and what they're praying into and what they are seeing happen as intercessors and church leaders all over Africa, what they're beginning to see in terms of some of the presidents coming together to talk about some things um, in different ways to do with God, to do with nations, to do with Israel. And um, so uh, there's some amazing other stories that that, uh, that, that we heard. But I, I just want to move on to the Brexit thing for a moment. And I just want to share something for a few minutes before we get into the, the message. I believe it was right to, to share this uh, today. Um, I know there's a lot of uh, stuff obviously about Brexit and and on one level a lot of us we're pretty fed up with it because of how long it's been going on for and all the scenarios in in with our with parliament that is taking place and and agendas and who wants to do what and who thinks we should be in or out or 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 how the best thing and all of that when when the decision was made to delay 
Brexit till October the, the 31st. Um, that that evening, uh, I mean, like you guys, you know, we I, I pray into that. We've been praying for the prime minister, praying for the government and all of that kind of stuff. But that evening, I, I said to the Lord, I said, God, what is going on? What's happening? And, and I don't know about you, but when I... When I pray about some things, I say to the Lord, God, would you please just give me a scripture? Because I, I, you know, we all hear in part and we all prophesy in part. And sometimes, you know, when you want to hear something really definite, you can't argue with what is written on the pages of the Bible, right? Or, or, and so... Sometimes when I'm when I'm I say God, would you please just show me from your word? Would you speak to me? Take me to something in your word that will speak uh, into a situation. And, and I said to the Lord that night, I said, God, what is going on it, it, with all this Brexit stuff? Would, would you just speak to me and just just so I know how to pray and, and and where we are? Now I didn't get anything at that moment, but the following morning when I woke up. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I do the reading plan every day. And I normally start with the, the shorter scripture that is the theme we're doing that month, for example. And uh, just spend a few minutes reading that, meditate on it and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to speak to me in that? And then I normally then read the Old Testament uh, one. And then later in the day, I then read the New Testament passage, whatever that might be. Now, as I, I came down in the morning, got my cup of tea, went into my lounge, just was worshipping for a few minutes, and, and uh, I thought, well, I'm just going to read. And, and as I opened my Bible to the, to the Scripture that day, I felt the Lord say, Clive, I want you to start with the New Testament Scripture. So I was like, all right. And uh, it was John chapter 11, and it's the story about Lazarus. And as I started to read the first couple of verses, as, literally as I started to read, I just felt the Lord say to me, this is Brexit. I was like, what? And uh, God said to me, just read the story because the story is what's going on with Brexit. So I was like, okay. And uh, now when we talk about something like this, I'm not talking, I'm not bringing a political viewpoint here. All of us will view what's going on in different ways. Uh We've all got different views on whether we should stay in the EU, come out of the EU, or whether we should have a deal or a no deal, and all of that kind of stuff. Everybody's got opinions. And at the end of the day, it's very easy to pray our opinions because of how we perceive or think and what we think's best, and we tell God to do what we think. And, and the only way we're going to get God's answers and God's ways are if we pray in line with his word and what he's saying. Now, I just want to take a couple of minutes to uh, just share this for a minute and then we'll have about 20 minutes just to get into the word this morning in terms of what I believe he wants to say to us. But I just want to take a couple of points out of this story. Now, you obviously, most of you are going to know the end of the story, so don't, you might jump, you know, you might get to some conclusions. But as I started to read this, um, I'll just pick out a couple of points. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. Now, when you're sick, you're not in good health. As a nation, we're not in good health at the moment, okay? And we need God in our nation. A man with Lazarus, or there was a nation called the UK, and it was not healthy. There were some issues, stuff going on. Uh, then it said he was from Bethany, from the village. Mary and Martha were his sisters. Uh, then it says, um, 
the two sisters went and said, send a message to Jesus and tell him that, that Lazarus is sick. And so we've been praying. Lots of Christians have been praying. God, we need you in our nation. Our nation's not where it needs to be in line with you. So God, would you do this, do that and do the other? Would you come and work in our nation? Would you come in the middle of all the Brexit stuff? Would you come and do what you want to do at this moment in our nation? So we've been praying and going to Jesus like these guys sent a message to him. Interesting, when he heard, when Jesus heard, his response was, this sickness will not end in death. And this, this sickness, whatever's going on with Brexit, it will not end in destruction in our nation. Okay, There's a lot of negativity going on, right? And uh, we're not going to join in with the negativity. But it's, then he says, no, it's for God's glory so that the Son may be glorified through it. So God's going to do something in our nation so that he gets the glory. And, and that will involve Brexit, but it's more than just Brexit. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So God loves our nation. Jesus loves our nation. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now that's not unusual pastoral response. If one of you guys called in the office and you said, one of my, one of my kids or my, my husband or wife or friend or something is dying, please you come and pray. If, we, if I responded to you and said, uh, yeah, great, I acknowledge that. I'll, I'll, I'll see you in a few days. You'd probably put the phone down and think, well, that that's wasn't exactly pastoral. That's not the nicest. I mean, thought you'd at least come round and pray, you know. But Jesus in that moment didn't go when the people wanted him to go to meet the need when they thought the need needed to be met. Jesus went a few days later. When he arrives, what do they say? They say, um, or firstly, he says, uh, uh, then his disciples say to him, when he, when he says, or his disciples say, let us go back to Judea. And uh, this is what Jesus says to them, let's go. But, the, but uh, they said, yeah, but if we go there, we're going to get into trouble. Then Jesus says, are not there 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by the world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Now, we know that Jesus is the light, and we want our nation to walk in the light. When our nation walks in its own ways, it walks in darkness and it's like the blind leading the blind. Because there's no rev we're not being led by revelation. We're being led by good ideas and trying to get something over the line and everybody's different opinions. And so it, it, here it's like we, we need to pray that our nation comes back into the light. And this is what God wants to do. And we'll come to this in a moment. Then he says... Uh, uh, after he said this, verse 11, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus was speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. There's a lot going on in the natural, but God's looking at something from a supernatural point of view. And uh, then he says, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm, going, I'm glad that I was not there so that they may believe but let us go to him. Then, doubting, then Thomas, bless him, says, let's go and we'll face death with him and all that sort of negativity. There's a lot of negativity going on around. Lots of people are speaking negative over it. But Jesus is saying, no, it might look like death, but I'm going to come and bring life out of what looks very negative. Are you with me this morning? All right. On his arrival, they found Lazarus had already been dead for four days. And uh, 
Mary and Martha basically said, if you just come when we asked you, it would have been all right. And in the midst of that, Jesus he says, Jesus says to them, it's okay. Just what, you know, just continue to believe and you're going to see the glory of God. Then he goes to, he sees them, the people, Mary and Martha. He has a heart for them. And it says that Jesus wept because he had compassion for them and he had compassion for Lazarus. Jesus has compassion for our nation. What is Jesus doing right now? He is in heaven interceding for us. He is praying for our nation right now at this time, for for the Father's will to be outworked. What does Jesus then do? He then stands in front of the tomb and what does he say? He says, roll the stone away. And he says, move everything out of the way that is an obstacle for what I'm about to do. Move everything out the way. And, and it's, like, it's like there are so many obstacles at the moment. People putting in, trying to change laws or get a no deal, you know, uh, get it off the table and, it, and you can't do that. Or put this into law, put that into the law. We want to stop this, stop that, stop the other, do this. We want to waylay it so that we end up remaining and not leaving. There's lots of different agendas going on. And it's like God is standing in front of our nation and saying, right, let's just roll everything out the way. All the hindrances, all the excuses, all the agendas, because I'm about to speak something that's going to bring life to death. Then what does he say? He then speaks to Lazarus and he says, Lazarus, come out. Now Lazarus comes out, but he still has grave clothes on. Then what did Jesus say next? He says, take the grave clothes off so that he may go free. It's all there in the Word. Now, whatever conclusion you want to bring from that, and I'm not saying something political now. All I'm saying is when I asked the Lord, I said, God, would you show us what, what, what is going on? And, uh, and then the next morning he said, read that. This is Brexit. You can see the story of it going through that story we've just read. And Lazarus comes out, but he's still got grave clothes on. That He looks like he's still connected with where he's just come out from. But then Jesus says, take everything off, all the grave clothes, so that he might go free. Now, why is God saying that to our nation? Not because God's interested in politics. What God's interested in, his, his purpose is being outworked in our nation and how he wants to work in and through our nation to affect other nations and, and also in relation to Israel and God's purposes there. Now, we shared this on the Friday night of the Global Prayer Call weekend the, 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 where we were in Jerusalem. Not the prayer breakfast, but the other event after. And quite a number of people who from different nations came up to us over the next couple of days and said, we've been praying for your nation and all we hear from people is all their opinions. But we don't hear somebody saying, look, I, I prayed and God showed me this in the Word about what it seems God wants to to happen in our nation and then how to pray. Now, when you hear what I've just said, it would be very easy to say, well, Clive, that's your opinion, okay? I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to say what I believe is going to happen to do with Brexit. I'm not going to say that. And in relation to, to this, all of us in one sense 
if if we believe that is God's something saying, we have to submit our opinions, what we like or don't like, and all of that. And uh, I know I've asked a number of people who are involved in various senior positions or, or people of influence, politically related and everything, about a no-deal Brexit, which is what that obviously seems to say, that we come fully out, no grave clothes, no connection whatsoever, we come and are totally free. And And... Some of you are probably more well-versed on this than I am, but it's still quite difficult to find somebody giving a really clear answer as to why no deal is such a bad deal. Now, even if it is in the natural, our trust is in who he is. And in God's economy, in God's plans and purposes, if he wants our nation to come fully out with no ties whatsoever then that somehow he's going to work that or it will be for the best or for the good of our nation, not because we're better than anybody else, because God loves the nations. He loves every nation. Jesus died once and he died for all. So God does not love our nation more than he loves France or Italy or Germany or Belgium or anywhere else. He loves nations. He loves the people. He died for us all. And uh, so I just wanted to... I felt I should share that with you guys and, um, and, and you can pray into that in, in whatever way you believe is, is, is right to pray into that, okay? Um, you don't necessarily have to go around and say, oh, Pastor Clive reckons we're going to have a no deal. That's what he said on Sunday. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not standing on here saying we're, we're having a no deal and this, that and the other, right? Um, all I'm sharing is this is what God showed me in that story in... Lazarus okay and uh, and so for me personally I'm just praying in line with that that all the grave clothes come off and as a nation we are totally free to pursue what as a nation who God's called us to be and what that that looks like is that okay all right so I just want to kind of just submit that to you guys and you can pray into that okay so we've got a few minutes um, for actually what what uh, going to speak about this morning so grab your Bibles turn to Colossians chapter 4 and um, we're, we're doing a series this month in, uh, in June called Just Do It. And it's all to do with sharing our faith. So just pray it, just believe it, just say it, just live it, just be it. In terms of living the gospel, sharing the gospel. Pastor Colin brought an amazing message last week. And uh, in terms of just the gospel and how you lead people to the Lord and, and whatnot. And, uh, and that's got to be part of... You know what God's doing at this moment. Now, this morning we're just going to look for a few minutes on God's heart, and I believe even in the ten or fifteen minutes we've got, I believe God wants to impart His heart for people that don't know Jesus. It's fine knowing how to do certain things, but we want to respond with our hearts to His heart, so that His heart is downloaded in to our hearts. So, just to read the Scripture, Colossians four verses two to six, that we're basing this month around. Okay, it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. This is Paul the Apostle. He's in prison and he's writing this to the, the believers in, in Colossae. And then he says, and pray for us too. So he's, he's in prison praying this, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. 
So we know that if we're gonna if we're gonna see friends, family members, whoever they are, come to know the Lord, then we've got to be praying for them. Um, anything that doesn't require prayer are things that are already done and accomplished. But everything that God asks of us and wants us to step into is always going to require prayer because in and of ourselves, we can't do the things that God asks us to do. So on one level, we can't, uh, if we can use this phrase, convert anybody to Christianity. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal who he is into people's lives. But obviously we have a responsibility to share uh, who Jesus is, to give our testimony and whatnot. But we want to be praying, and as we are, win the one and the cards that you've got, uh, where you can, um, I don't know, if you, if you haven't got one of these little prayer cards, you can get me the info point, where you can fill in the uh, the people you're praying for. There's scriptures on there, how to pray for your unsaved family, friends, neighbours, whoever you're reaching out to. But then it says here, Pray also that an open door for our message uh, may happen so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now, one of the things about the Apostle Paul, when you read the parts of the New Testament he's written, what comes through so much is his passion to know God, but also his passion for others to know God. And it's like the Apostle Paul carries this amazing heart of God and God's heart for people. And he's so motivated by that love and by that heart that he has that he basically is saying, I I just want any opportunity, any open door. I'll do anything to share the gospel so that somebody can hear, somebody can respond. They can find out who Jesus is. And there's this this fire that is on the inside of him, this passion that is on the inside of him where he he simply just wants to tell people about, about Jesus. Now, what I want us to do is we're going to read um, Luke chapter 15, uh, the first few verses for just a couple of minutes and pick out a couple of things in here. So just want to quickly go there. Luke chapter 15, first few verses. It says here, a group of tax gatherers and sinners came close to Jesus to listen to him. But both the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law murmured against him. And they said, this man receives sinners and even eats with them. Firstly, I don't know about you guys, do you ever think about when you read the Gospels and you look at the life of Jesus and some of the phrases that are used to describe how people relate to him? So in, uh, in verse 1, it says here, the tax gatherers and sinners came close to Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people's perception of Christians out there is, is that Christians seem to be quite quick to point the finger or, or they think Christians are going to be a certain way about, different, about views on different things out there. Some people say, well, I don't really want to go near any Christians because they're either bigoted or they're, they're this, that or the other or, or they're just going to tell me what's wrong with me and all that kind of stuff. But with Jesus, in this scenario, it said the tax gatherers and the sinners came close to Jesus to listen to him. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I sometimes think, why would somebody want to come close to somebody? Why why do you want to be close to other people? Now, it might be because there's an intrigue with Jesus. So what's he going to do next? What's he going to say next? Some people might want to be close out of intrigue, out of what's this guy's kind of a bit out of the box. What's he going to say next? What's he going to do next? Maybe they actually quite like the guy. 
Actually, I quite like this guy. I want to I be a bit closer to you. I want to hear more. I want to kind of, they might like him. Maybe they feel safe around him. I think that's more important than we realise, that people feel safe with us. If people don't know how we are going to behave or what we're going to say, or as soon as we talk them, we jump on them with a the gospel and we're telling, you know, all this sort of stuff. I think sometimes people feel a bit like, whoa, I'm not sure where, you know, and they don't necessarily want to be around us because they don't feel safe. They don't feel relaxed. They don't feel like we can just talk about all kinds of things and we just want to genuinely connect with people. Maybe they were close to Jesus because they were accepted. They didn't feel judged or condemned. They didn't feel put down. So often we hear that, that prostitutes in, in, in the Gospels, when some of the stories, that prostitutes, they wanted to be near Jesus and around him because for, he, he didn't condemn them. He didn't judge them. He didn't look them up and down like a lot of other people did for their own ends and their own desires. There was something about Jesus that when he looked at them, they felt drawn to him saying, I, there's something about this guy that isn't full of lust or selfishness or wants to use me. There's something about this guy when he looks at me that I feel loved. I feel accepted. I feel safe. I don't feel like he's out to use and abuse me. I feel completely the opposite. He's someone safe to be around. Maybe other people wanted to be, they just simply wanted to connect with him because he did miracles and he did this, that and the other. Like, oh, I want to just be and see what he's going to do next. I don't know. But it says they came close to him. They wanted to be around him. They wanted to hear him. How many of you want to be part of a church where people want to be close to us because they, they like us? They feel safe. They, feel, they don't feel condemned and judged, but they, they feel like we like them. They feel like we accept them. They, they feel like we're not here just to point the finger. It's pretty quiet this morning. A anybody want to be part of a church? That's how, I don't know. I want to be like that. I don't want us to be like that, yeah? And we are like that. In, in, uh, in that sense. But then the religious guys, they murmured, they got upset, they got annoyed and everything because in that culture, Jesus was seen as a rabbi and a rabbi did not sit down with people that were tax collectors or how they described sinners uh, and, and how they graded people in a religious way. The religious leaders graded people in different ways. And a rabbi should never sit down with people that they said are below the line. You can't associate with them because if you do, you're saying you're like them. You accept them. And if you then eat with them, you're saying, I am like them. That's, so Jesus was making some powerful statements just by sitting down with and being with and being next to people that, as far as the religious community were concerned, were below the line. You don't hang out with them. And yet Jesus broke all the rules. It's interesting how the religious guys, they said, this man receives sinners and even eats with them. So what they, they were judging, they were condemning, they were putting down. Now the word receive there in Scripture, it means to show hospitality. It means to sit with and it actually means to embrace. And so when, when the, the religious guys were describing Jesus, they were saying, this guy, he shows hospitality. He sits down with these guys and he embraces them into his life. That's out of order. That's just, they shouldn't be doing it. And they were getting upset. But what was Jesus doing? He was communicating the very heart of the Father. Saying it doesn't matter who you are, what's happened to you, the decisions you make, however you're behaving, what you're like. 
I want to show you hospitality. I want to sit down with you and I want to embrace you. Why? Because I want to receive you. Jesus wasn't waiting for behaviour to be right. He said, no, I'm going to come into your world and show you hospitality, sit with you and embrace you. And it just freaked out all the religious things going on. And in the midst of Jesus hearing the murmuring and the complaining by the religious guys, he then told this story. He said, if anyone owned a hundred sheep but lost one of them, would he not leave the 99 to fare for themselves while he went searching for the lost one until he found it? Then he would return carrying on his shoulders the, the sheep he lost, full of joy. And when he arrived home, he would gather his friends and relatives and tell them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep I had lost. I tell you clearly, this is Jesus speaking, there is more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 godly men who do not need to repent. Interesting that the words that Jesus uses again. He says here, if anyone owned a hundred sheep and he loses one, he's going to leave the 99 in a group to, you'll be all right, guys. I'm going after one that is lost. You know, um, when, you, when you own something, you've paid for it. You've paid a price for something. Something that you have value in, you've used to buy something, pay for it, and you now own something. It has some value in your life. It's your possession. It's yours. It means something. He didn't say if you are stewarding somebody else's sheep or if you are borrowing somebody else's sheep. You know when you borrow something from somebody else, um, you want to look after it because it's not yours. And, uh, you know, you, you want to make sure whatever you borrow, you don't break it, scratch it or damage it or whatever, so that when you've borrowed it from somebody, you give it back in the same condition. Why? Because you honour the person. They're a friend of yours and you want to make sure if they're going to lend you something, you want to give it back. So you want to take care of it. But, the, but because you don't own it, it has no value in the sense that, that you haven't got something in your life now that you own and when you give back what you've borrowed, you don't have a sense of, I've lost it now. Because it was never yours in the first place. But why does Jesus talk about owning? Because he's talking about people's lives here. And he's talking about the reason he went to the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, the Bible talks about in, in Revelation 5 verse 9. It says that when Jesus was slain and his blood was shed, it says he purchased men for God. Or he purchased for God men, depending on which way, from every tribe, language, and every people group in every nation. And so God did something to pay a price to own mankind. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they cut off God's ownership of mankind. They separated mankind from God. And they said, we're going to go and do our own thing. But God had a plan to say, no, I'm going to buy you back. Because when I buy you back, the power of sin that separates you from me is going to be broken. So when Jesus hung on the cross, he was purchasing mankind back to God. Why? Because that's God's heart. He doesn't just want to lend us stuff or give us a bit. He says, no, I want to buy you back because I want you to have relationship with me. Why did God do it? Because he owned, he created something that belonged to him. It was lost 
in that separation when Adam and Eve sinned. And when you've owned something and then you've lost it, you know there's something missing. You paid a price for something and now it's damaged, it's broken, it's gone, it's lost. And sometimes we don't realise what we have until we don't have it anymore. And then we realise, whoa, I didn't realise how much I actually liked what I had or what it was. And it's like God wants us, He wants to download His heart into us so that we own our family, our friends, people that don't know Jesus. So we own them in the same way. Where there's an ownership in our lives for those people that don't know Jesus, that God has said to us, I want you to pray for them. I want you to, now, if they're family members, you probably love them anyway. If they're friends, you're, you're friends, and, and there's an element of love that you have for your friends. But it's like God wants to impart His heart of ownership. So that we live in one sense with a sense of loss in our lives because those people don't yet know Jesus. God lives with a sense of loss, if I can put it that way, in his heart for those that don't know him because he's paid a price to purchase them back to him. He owns mankind. He owns every, every person in the world in terms of what he's purchased through the blood of Jesus. And he wants everybody back. Just a quick story before we close. When we were over in Israel the other day, um, we, I mean, from the moment we arrived, we, we arrived in the evening, slept, went to bed that night, and then we had five days of just being in these events and praying and doing this, that, and the other. And then the last day we were there, we got on the plane and flew home. And, uh, but whenever we're there in Jerusalem, we always want to go down to the Western Wall where a lot of the Jewish people pray. It's always busy down there. And so one of the, I don't know, it was about 10, half 10 in the evening by the time we got down there. And, um, and one of the things we always do, the blokes go one side, women have to go the other. And uh, of, there's only a certain amount of the Western Wall. If you've never been there, you can, you can pray in that area. But the men and women are segregated. So Jane and, and uh, Holly and Sandra who are from the Crawley congregation, they went with Jane down the women's side. And I went into the bloke's side. And always, when I go in there, I don't go in there for myself. I always go in there and spend some time praying for all the Jewish people. And all the guys that are there are Orthodox guys or ultra-Orthodox. Ultra-Orthodox are a bit like a sect and uh, keep themselves to themselves. There's a lot of ultra-Orthodox there. But then you've also got Orthodox uh, Jews there. They're still re religious, but not as religious as the ultra guys. But you go in there and I always pray... And uh, spend a bit of time just praying and, and maybe God gives me a couple of scriptures and you're just praying through those or you're praying in tongues in the spirit for these guys and God to you know lift the veil, salvation or whatever. And when we were there the other day, I went down, it was pretty busy and I walked down and as I got in there, there were loads of people packed all the way along the wall. And a lot of these guys, they're all there kind of doing all this shaking and, and, and everything, uh, praying and and trying to trying to get to God in that sense and <clears throat> as I was standing there I was just looking and uh, this all I can describe it as this total sense of lostness came over me and and I was looking around and I said, God, th these guys are lost. They are lost. And I didn't know what to pray. And I just had this sense of, 
total separation from God that these people have, this total sense of lostness, no hope, and all of that. And I was like, God, what's going on here? This is weird. I've never, I, this, I don't want to be here. And, and it's like, I don't, I don't want to be here now. I, I, I just want to leave and go back up to the outside this little area, you know, this area. That, it's like, God, I don't want to be here. This, it's like, and I was looking as this was going on. And it's like, we're, one of the things that we're involved in at the moment is building relationships with the Jewish community here in London. And, and at the end, in, not this week, but the following week, we've got seven pastors meeting with six rabbis. And we're having a meeting to have lunch together, talk together and build relationships. And, and God has told us, you know, just I want you to build friendship. Love these guys. Love them. And provoke them to jealousy, as the Bible says. And you do your bit and build relationships and I'll do my bit and reveal who I am to them. And as I was standing down there, just in this area, I was praying. And I said, God, I don't want to be here. This, this is horrible, this sense of lostness and separation. I just wanted to get away. And... Um, and it was like God was saying to me, Clive, what I'm, what I'm showing you is what is in my heart and where they are in relationship with me. And I, I, I was like, God, this is hope. I, I just, I looked at the amount of them that were there. I'm like, God, how on earth are you going to, how on earth? Because they're so locked into their, their religiosity, so locked into where they're at um, and everything. It's like a stronghold. And... Um, and I said to, I, it was, I mean, this is an obvious thing to say, but in the middle of that, I said to the Lord, I said, God, God, it's impossible. It's absolute. Only, only you can reveal who you are to these guys. I just don't know what to pray. I don't know what to say. And, and I was kind of there. And, and partly what God was doing was like, Clive, what I'm showing you is my heart for these guys. That without me, they are completely lost and have absolutely no hope. That all the praying, all the stuff they do, it just means nothing. And I want you to stand in the gap for these guys and I want you to pray for them. I want you to believe for them. So they come out of their lostness, out of their hopelessness and they come into life. They come into freedom. They come into the relationship, into their destiny with me that I want them to have. And, and, and it's th this whole thing about ownership, it was like, it's like God has purchased their lives and whoever else we're reaching out to. Let's stand together, shall we? Now, we're just going to pray for a minute. And what I want us to do, because the kids are coming back in and stuff, I just, I know you might be going out to get your kids and, uh, and you can pray this yourself, but a for God to impart his heart of love and compassion for those that don't know him, the people we're praying for and reaching out to. And Jane and I at the prayer breakfast, do you know Angus Buchan, the, the South African guy, the, the potato farmer guy? You heard of him, some of you. He was there and, um, and we met him and had a chat with him and stuff. And while we were talking, he said, hey, I just want to give you something. I just believe it's right to, to give you something. And he gave us a little jar each full of mustard seeds. And, uh, and then he prayed over us and everything. And when I was just praying about this morning, I felt the Lord say that we're, I don't know how many are in here. I know there'll be at least one each in here, definitely, maybe two each. Um, what I want us to do this morning is 
um, I, I should have got a tray or something to put these on. But I want everybody to grab a, one of these mustard seeds. Now, well, one mustard seed can produce between 8 and 20 plants. Reproduce itself 8 to 20 times, okay, from one seed. And what I believe God was saying is a seed represents, in the seeds, it represents the people we're praying for, reaching out to. And God wants to multiply the life that he's put in us into those that don't yet know him. And what I want you to do is, is come, come and grab a seed after the meeting. And when you get home some point today, put it in a pot. And, and I just quickly read, if you take a seed or two seeds, put them a thumb, a thumb, this is like going into gardener's world now. Um, put a thumbnail depth in a piece of dirt, okay, in, in your pot. And, and just put it that deep in there. Thanks, mate. And put a little bit of earth over it and water it and, it. and then it starts to grow within a few days. But I want this to be like a symbol. That's all. Just a representation of those that you're reaching out to and how you're planting them, sowing in, in the word, sowing, praying, believing, reaching out to them. And that we're going to see those, those people come to new life. And, and what is a seed at the moment is going to be going to birth new life in people. Not just one, but maybe five, maybe eight, maybe 10, maybe 20 come through each one of our lives. I mean, can you believe for that? That it's not just we'll have a go and see what God does. No, we're believing for a harvest. We're believing for a multitude. We're believing for thousands of people across this 25-mile radius. So I'll open this at the end and tip it in there. And you can come and get, you could probably take two each, I should think, or maybe two, three for your household and uh, plant them together in two, two or three together in a little thing and, and see what that does. But let's just pray for a minute. Just close your eyes and... Father, I thank you for your love for the nations, your love for the individual. I thank you, your love for those that don't know you. Holy Spirit, I thank you this morning for an impartation of your heart for those that don't know Jesus, those that are family members, friends, people that we're praying for, sharing the gospel with, reaching out to If there's anything that we've said this morning through the word where you know you, you like when people come alongside Jesus because they feel safe or they like him or they don't feel condemned or judged or they're, they're intrigued, all of that. It's like maybe just say, Father, I want to be like that. I don't want to be judgmental, critical. I don't want to be, I, I, I want people to feel safe. I want them to want to be around me. I want to, like he did, he received people. He showed hospitality. He sat down with them. He embraced, Father, I want your heart in a greater way so that when I'm with my family that don't know you, when I'm with friends that don't know you, Father, I want your heart to be oozing, oozing, oozing through me, your heart, that, 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 that would just break open in a fresh way in my life so that you ooze out so that I, I, I just, I want to love them. I want to serve them. I want to embrace them. And then in the right moment, being led by you, share about you, talk about you and see them come to know you. Father, I just thank you for an impartation this morning of your heart by your spirit. 
And Father, I just thank you as we take hold of a couple of mustard seeds per household, two or three, a couple, say two per household. As, as I take those things and plant them, I thank you it's going to be like a, a prophetic sign and symbol of what you're doing as I'm praying for and reaching out because you want to multiply who you are in me and in my family, in my household. You want to multiply that into many, many others. And so by faith, I'm going to put this, these seeds into a pot and say, Father, I thank you this is going to be a symbol of what you're doing through us as a family family, through us as a married couple, through me as an individual, because it's harvest time. And so, Father, we praise your name for those that are not just going to come to know you, but they become disciples of you in your mighty, awesome name. Father, I just pray right now for anybody here that doesn't know you today. Father, I thank you. You reveal who you are into their hearts and lives today, that you are real, you're alive. If there is anybody here today and you don't know Jesus, I would love to chat with you, meet you afterwards. And if you've got any questions, I'd love to hear what they are and just answer any questions you have. If there's anything I've said this morning, you're like, man, I just don't understand that. I don't get it. Can you just explain that to me? I'd love just to explain stuff to you. If that, if you know, I'm not going to put any pressure on you whatsoever. But if you have any questions, or you want to know more, please come and have a chat. I'd love to talk to you. And... Uh, just help you in, in answering any questions. I'd rather you do that than walk away thinking, well, I should have done, but I, you know, what's he like? I'm just a normal bloke like you. Just when you stand on a platform and having a mic in your hands, people sometimes think you're more than they are. But we're not. We're just normal people, everyday people. I've got, I, I have all the same struggles and issues. I've got to eat food like you do. I drink like you do. I have to go to the loo like you do. I have to have a shower every morning. I have to wear deodorant. All that stuff. We're just normal people. Sometimes I have smelly breath if I don't clean my teeth properly, just like you might. So we're just normal. But please come and have a chat. There'll be others here. Please come and have a chat. We love to meet you, greet you, and talk with you. Father, we just thank you. We speak your abundant goodness, blessings over our lives, our families, our households, with your protection around our lives this week. Father, lead us by your spirit to talk about you, share about you this week in the right way that is relevant for the people that you want to reach this week in your mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Be very, very blessed this week. Amen. Come and grab some mustard seeds. They'll be in the tray down the front here. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.